But no, the book is <clears throat> challenging to me because it is fabulous. I love, absolutely adored 85% of it. And unfortunately, because the 15%... <laughs> like, and then the, then the end happens. Exactly, exactly. Whatnots, welcome to Drock episode 15, the podcast where myself, Graham McMillan, and my esteemed co-host, Jeff Lester, hello, we talk about Judge Red. We are reading through Judge Red, the complete case files, in the order it's been published in chronological order, because Dread doesn't really go out of chronological order that much, and we are on a very particularly exciting episode that hopefully Jeff is going to enjoy as much as me. I should say we're coming from Patrick McGoon block, because I might have been rewatching The Prisoner this week, shh! Keep it to yourself. Uh, <laughs> we're covering uh, Judge Red the Complete Case Files, Volume 14, which is Prog 662 through 699, all of which from 1990, all of which written by John Wagner, which is this the first time we've had an entire volume entirely written by one person? I think so. It must be. Yeah. Kind of it's the Necropolis volume. Hooray! Yes. I've been looking forward to this since we started Drock. <laughs> I'm not joking. This is my favorite of the mega epics. I love it. I love everything about it. I'm going to let Jeff talk very soon. But before we do, <laughs> I am going to say this one thing. Uh, I've been saying, like, for two episodes now, that this is the end of Wagner's first run on Dread. And I am completely wrong. Mm-hmm. He sticks around another year after this alternating mm. with Scar mm-hmm. and I've been st- like he, he got off stage almost immediately after this and no that's not true at all and I've been giving you all misinformation and I'm also saying this so that Jeff can say things like yeah I don't see how he's going to wrap things up after this and <laughs> now he knows that I was wrong he doesn't wrap things up he's right be fine. Jeff I love these comics I love them because I've loved them since I first read them literally 30 years ago. You, Harvard, just reading them for the first time. Did you like them? Well, uh, the the short answer is yes, I love them. Um, The long answer. Yeah. The longer answer is a little more complicated uh, because if we're – depending on how we talk about things chronologically. But essentially – Everything is um, – well, so there's a particular thing that happens that is um, uh, what, what I think of, for lack of a better term, as infinite chest syndrome, you know, based on David Foster Wallace's mega novel in which an entertainment called Infinite Jest is a – it's an entertainment that is so good people just consume it endlessly until they literally die of it. Now, there's other things, since it's a semi-science fiction novel, that make it, but the idea of the, quote-unquote, the, the entertainment, as it's called, um, is kind of this idea of, how, you know, uh, it, it ties into a lot of things about human existence, but for lesser or greater terms, it's kind of the pig and slop effect. This was so good that I'm trying to figure out if the reason why the ending was disappointing to me was because of some of the factors that we're talking about or just the fact that it ended. Because one of the things that's delightful about this uh, story is 
the way that it is structured um, is, I think, just brilliant. And part of what it does is it telescopes out actions and stories and beats. And so there's kind of a delicious layer cake factor that keeps going until basically it gets wrapped up. But right when it gets wrapped up, you're kind of like, but why don't you just like, it's kind of like, but it's just getting started. <laughs> and it's, it's clearly not. It's been going on for 24, 25 parts to say nothing of the countdown two episodes to say nothing of the dead man to say nothing about, you know, of the, the crack and stuff that's been going on for like half a year by that. Point. Right. And the fact that so much of this is also thematically tied into stuff that literally got going with letter from a Democrat. Yes. That you, that it's, it, it is, I think one of the things that is so amazing and enjoyable about this is this amazing, um, I don't want to say it's delayed gratification, but part of what makes judge dread so unique is it sort of slides in and out of, for lack of a better term, continuity. You know, there's the done in ones, then things come back. There will be a six part prog or there's even a mega prog. And then people will reference that again. But then he's just as likely to reference something that's silly and ridiculous. Or it's just, again, there's going to be kind of a burlesque. Let's throw stuff mm -hmm. at the wall and see what happens. Yeah. Learning to love that nature of dread is something that for me as an American comics reader is one of the hardest things to acclimate to because well, yeah, cause, cause dread is, is, and I say this as a compliment, a very unfocused strip. Like right. this is the most focused case files because right. this is literally one story from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not normally the case. Right. Normally, you might get like we've had uh, volumes that are completely thematically um, complete, mm -hmm. you know that that are, that are consistent all the way through. But it's been multiple stories, and like you say, you have the series stories, and then you have like the slapstick, you have the satire, and right. then you have something that is non-satirical at all. Is is literally like a very straightforward Judge Strait is going after a bad guy story. Right. This is literally one story. This is one story yeah. for the entire like whatever it is, like thirty-five, thirty-six episodes inside. Right. It is off model in that respect right and but because because it's not broken out until now that kind of delayed gratification for one thing there's so many things that can be paid off because there's just so much stuff that's been set up that technically wasn't even set up when it was happening so you know you can work stuff in but it's like i mean to read a story where you all but cheer when a can of Boeing pops up, you know, is kind of a, it, that's a unique, ex it, I want to say it's a unique experience, but it's not, it's, it just, in a way it feels unique to dread in that yes. this, and it feels like you're finally having the best of both worlds almost in that yes. you finally get everything. You get that, payoffs to things that happen. Yeah. Right. Years ago. Right. And and I think what's weird is that weird feeling of wouldn't it be, you know, like, oh, I'd really like Judge Dredd if it finally, you know, if it did 
all these boxes that are sort of closer to what American comics mm-hmm. purport to do. And then Dread does it. And then in, in Necropolis does the majority, the vast majority of it so amazingly well that, like I said, I'm not sure if I was just a pig and slop and I was like, I want another three volumes of this. Or if when it came to the ending, you know, there was a little bit of watching, um, you know, the normally reserved bookish person like at the party suddenly get too many drinks in him and he jumps up on the bar and he's singing and he's dancing and he's telling jokes and it's the most amazing experience. And then suddenly he gets just a, you know, a bit more sober and is kind of embarrassed, sheepishly laughs and gets off the bar and be like, Oh, but enough of that. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there was just when it started moving into the end game, there's layers of things that absolutely make sense as to why it did. But at the same time, either A, I'm suffering from infinite jest syndrome and I just wanted to keep reading this volume until I died, or there is potentially some conflicts in terms of the stories being told that create uh, expectations Mm -hmm. that literally couldn't be fulfilled, I guess. So when I was – when I first read Necropolis Mm – I was reading it in the progs mm-hmm. and I was a little bit underwhelmed by the end, but at the same time, it's different when you're reading it weekly. Sure. When I first read the collection, I was very underwhelmed mm-hmm. by the end, but I also knew from previous experience for what of a better way of putting it, just as Necropolis is not only the story of Necropolis, mm-hmm. you know, like you can tell there's tales of the dead man, which lasts like six episodes. Then you've got five hearts of, Countdown to Necropolis, and then you get Necropolis proper. Necropolis continues for like 10 chapters after this, Mm -hmm. which it kind of has to, Mm -hmm. right? Like in this book, Necropolis wraps up very quickly and honestly kind of unsatisfyingly, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Especially because it does the thing that when I was reading this time, I was like, Jeff's going to be mad at this, which is it ends on a joke. (laughs) You know? I did do the Graham McMillan thing, or at least I pulled a partial Graham McMillan. In you read the, ahead? Yeah, I read like 50 pages into volume 15. Like, and you see that it is, you get like a lot of epilogue. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, honestly, epilogue that if it was contained in this book mm-hmm. would have made this book more satisfying. You know, if you, t- if you took it all the way to the end of Nightmares, whatnots who were reading along with us, I am going to spoil something from the next volume. Yeah, but but it, because it fits so thematically with parts of specifically Necropolis mm-hmm. uh, and and the non-dark judges part of it. Yes, nightmares ends with dread calling for democracy. Yeah, and yeah. and one of the things that I like so much about this storyline in Volume Fourteen now after I saw Jeff before we started recording, like I've read this four times in the last week. Mm-hmm. At some point, I realized it's not a Dark Judges story at all. Like, I remembered this as a Dark Judges story. Right. You know, I remember this as, like, the, honestly, the ultimate Dark Judges story. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a story about Dark Judges at all. And it's like, if you take the Sisters of Death away from it, right? it's really not a Dark Judges story. They don't show up until more than halfway into the book. Right. Um, even when they do show up. The book then immediately cuts back to Dredd. Yes. And they're really background characters. It's not a Dark Judges story at all. It's a story about Dredd finding himself again, 
mm-hmm. while also having lost utterly lost faith in what he believed in. And the dread who results from that is a very different character. Yes. Well, there's there's so much that so there's there's a lot here. One thing to 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 build off of that is I just want to talk about um, sort of the same way that I laud the majority of it. And then, you know, the, the ending being a thing that we got to break down is this is such a stunning achievement of craft, I think, by Wagner. And um, especially I, I, there, I don't know how it's going to be appropriate to talk about Carlos Esquerra's art and especially his coloring without just like talking until I sob. (laughs) Yeah, because it is. Visually, Necropolis is staggering. Yeah. So it's everything we've liked about Esquerra, but more so because like you said, he's painted it. Yeah. His his use of of color allows him to do some very specific things that would otherwise be difficult to pull off. And I think more to the point, he absolutely does just, I I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm sure somewhere at some point I encountered someone who told a a science fiction narrative with futuristic science, science fictional backgrounds entirely through impressionistic watercolors but it's stunning it's some of the watercolor effects that he does to pop things in and out of essentially like i just think of it as an an emotional impressionism um is just stunning and and there's stuff in here that wagner i'm so excited to talk about because there's storytelling choices that wagner makes that are fabulous all of that said, I think I will save it to the end. But part of what disappoints me about the end of Necropolis is what, for lack of a better term, I would say is the the dilemma of the Perth brothers. You know, like, I don't know if you remember, but at one point when Dread takes Kraken out for evaluation, there mm-hmm. are these two brothers, the Perth brothers, that they end up um, chasing. They actually end up shooting Dredd's mentor, Morphe, because he pulls them over and they shoot him. Turns out they're running Stooky. It's Edgar Allan Perth and Robert Louis Perth, which Mm -hmm. is great because that's, you know, we're used to Dredd. We're used to to influences being worn on their sleeve. and I would say that, among other things, one of the things that's amazing about Necropolis is how much it is. It's just a flat out horror story. So you get that Edgar Allan Poe. And then towards the end, you morph it into horror story meets uh, kids adventure story, which is where the Robert Louis Stevenson part comes in. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think the thing that is a little difficult and I guess I hate to be on the um, George Lucas and Judge Dredd kick because it makes me sound like even more of a moron than I think I am, is the by the time you get to the end of Necropolis, you have had an entire uh, psychological reconstruction of Dredd 
happen more or less off screen, not entirely, but to the point that where it's time for his showdown with his mirror image, it's, it's over. And there's a way in which you're like, it, it makes sense in a, in very, again, this is, uh, why wouldn't I go crazy for Necropolis? Everyone who's had to listen to me and especially our Baxter building podcast, hears me go on and on and on and on and on. Here's this amazing story that is so much about the shadow self and the doppelganger and having to literally learn to come to terms with it and the accept the acceptance of it and yourself that dread is able to do by going through all this shit. Um, and yet when it gets to the big meeting between the two of them and you're like, yeah, there's a moment of it being really anticlimactic, which honestly I really enjoy. I've got to be honest, but it does touch on something I wanted to ask you, which is dread goes through significant growth yes in this book mm-hmm. but even in in the first story of this even even in tales from dead man like the very first chapter dread is referring to the way that the judge justice system works as the big lie right right and part of me wonders and i want to know what you think about this is that too fast like by the end of tales of the dead man which is like six it episodes into this book mm-hmm. he's released the democrats mm-hmm. right and for what we the readers have seen he was dread up until he gets this letter from from william wenders mm-hmm. and that causes him to utterly flip like we've seen dread talk about getting older we've seen him have reflections since oz right, right. yeah but the reflections have been personal the reflections have been am i getting older like am i out of step with the system and all of a sudden, it's, well, the system is wrong, which we as readers have known for, for a long time, right? right. And, and Wagner and Wagner and Grant, when they were working as a team, were not afraid of saying, were not afraid of pointing out. Right. But I feel that Dredd's realization of that did happen off panel and arguably happened too fast. Well, okay. So I, I, I don't think that it necessarily did in a way that some of the seeds of the discontent have been seeded before and he feels it. But I think that, so I would I, say, I, I get it was seeded, but I feel like his actual sudden realization literally happened in between letter to judge Dredd and right. tales of dead man part one, which is a week in real time, well, which yeah. is literally like two episodes that run next to each other. Yes. Well, but then you sort of flip back and you see him because I think I think so. My my personal take on it there to the two parts is he reads the letter, but the letter is the last straw. And and I think this is important. Dread spends a lot of time, a huge chunk, in fact, of Tales of the Dead Man being essentially kind of I'm the system is wrong. It's the big lie, but dread still blames himself for not believing in it. And I think this is one of those things that to me is where I think part of why Wagner is a genius 
is, I mean, among other things, is the fact that in The Dead Man, the way that Dread regains his memory and more or less figures out how he was able to beat the sisters is he refused to believe in them. Like, and so what's really telling is dread becomes a better dread by essentially being right in what he does not believe in. Whereas new dread Kraken ends up losing and ends up having to die because he can't he he beats himself up for essentially being being caught between what he's supposed to believe he's like mm-hmm. am i a judge am i the judda and it's entirely his all the beating up all the internal um conflict in him is what makes him susceptible to um, phobia and nausea and and they are able to you know literally turn him which is such a all of that stuff is so incredibly satisfying and part of what's rough is I mean there's there's a level of things that are rough but essentially what happens is at the end of it what dread is saying to Kraken is like it's okay I you know I don't hold this against you you know, like, and which is inc- to me incredibly moving. Dread mm-hmm. forgiving Kraken is literally, genuinely put together in classic Jungian shit terms of Dread being able to forgive himself. Yes, and, yes. You know, and yeah. because, and, and to have those things, have that be literally embodied in the story elements, just blows my mind so what i would say is is that it's not it it's not too soon because dread has been without in a very subtextual way he's been blaming himself the whole time and it's literally when he gets that letter and he's like that that sort of classic like as you mentioned in an earlier volume that idea that dread knows what makes him a better judge what makes him work is he knows what's wrong and he's reached that area of oh right it's not me this is fucked up and i backed a fucked up system and all the time i was doing it i thought the problem was me now he goes on to literally still more or less fail and die because he continues to basically play the game within the rules. I mean, he goes, of course, and he lets all those Democrats go. He does all this stuff, but he still goes off into the cursed earth. Yeah, yeah. He still know? he still chooses to take the long walk. Yeah, he's like, still... He, he, he still goes, I have failed the system as opposed to the system. And that's... Yes. We'll get to this in future volumes, but that's the difference between Dread pre-Necropolis and Dread post-Necropolis. Exactly. That he, he thinks he has failed the system as opposed to the system has failed him. Exactly. So... So it really did work for me. It didn't feel too, um, and and also what's amazing, of course, is is as you said, when it happens, the progs are a week apart. One of the things that's awesome is Wagner not only was able to deliver that 
crazy jolt in real time of the dead man is dread mm-hmm. and you having all that whoosh, but it plays really well because most people are not going to be, they're going to, you know, hopefully they'll read the end of the case file, they'll read dead man, and then they start in on this case file. And so there is a sense of time, you know what I mean? So it does feel by the time that he comes back to it, like I said, even though it's almost a simultaneous scene, all of that stuff feels really even more emotionally nailed down so that I didn't, I really didn't have a problem with that at at all. Like, honestly, I don't have really any problems until, I don't know, I'd have to look, but, but no, it's all pure chewing satisfaction for the first hundred pages or so. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, cause I, I like the changes. I, I think that it's, I, I think that you can see Kraken's belief in the system. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I sort of balancing out is not the right word, but in contrast to Dredd's growing dissatisfaction with the system. Right. Uh, like, I think plays really well. It's just that I honestly feel that I wish we'd seen a little bit more active lead up to that point. Mm. Because I think just having the letter being the one thing that breaks him. Mm-hmm. It feels too easy. Hmm. And it's a shame because, like I said, I like everything that follows. Because hmm. we have had other stories where Dread is unsure, but we're like, you know, even in the last volume, had like John Cassavetes is dead. Yeah. Well, thing. right. Well, you, yeah. Like you, you have this bare thing, but because it is so scattered, and then you have this like one story where he gets this letter from her kids, and it rings false to me that that is the thing that breaks them. Well, I I understand almost it has to break him. Sure. Um, But one of the things like I like everything that falls from that. So it's Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm just going to go along with it. Right. Go along with it. But you don't think it's entirely earned. I don't I don't think it's entirely earned. But one of the things I love is, um, you know, I said I'd read this multiple times. I realized that for me, this entire volume is, like I said, not a Dark Judge's story Mm -hmm. at all. It's kind of also a story about how the justice system failed Mega City One, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because you just have multiple things where the systematic flaws make things worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't listen to Dread, so they passed Kraken. Mm-hmm. They tell anyone about it, so everyone thought that Kraken was Dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put too much pressure on Kraken to be Dread, which helps him crack. Right. When people are calling and saying, "There's this weird shit that's happening, and you need to investigate it," which is the Sisters of Death you know, coming through in the first place, they think it's crank calls. Right. You know, all of these things is continually, they're systematic failures that just make everything worse. Yes. Then you get to when the dark judges appear, mm-hmm. the judges all just go evil. Mm-hmm. And and there there is a, a, a very clear, I don't want to say sort of attempt to, to explain this away or write it out, but, you know, they, they make it clear the dark judges are being you know psychically mentally coerced by the sisters like that that's very clear by the end of the story i think they keep that kind of ambiguous don't you i think they do except they don't they do until they don't Mm -hmm. right and the part where they don't is the sisters go and all of a sudden the judges rebel against the dark judges right you know and that's the part where and honestly i prefer it being ambiguous 
I really prefer it being ambiguous. But the fact that the, the sisters go away and then literally all the judges are able to turn back it immediately mm-hmm. is, is honestly a little, you know, a little much. But also you kind of have to do it, right? Well, you kind of have to do it. What I think is, and, you know, I, I, you, I maybe must have put more emphasis on it than you did, but there's a panel, even once they're, they are... Um, they turn once the sisters are gone and they talk a little bit about the, it's precisely the guilt of their complicity that makes them rebel so fiercely. Like all of a sudden they're, they're kind of caught in that. Ugh, no, that wasn't me. You know, Um, sure. And we've had that before in mm -hmm. the day the law died as well. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like right. we've seen this before. But it's funny that like you take those two stories together and they shouldn't be taken together. There's literally 10 years separating them, right? Yeah. But if you do take those two stories together, you're like, it's again an underscoring of this is not a good system. Right. Like this is a system that is very easy yeah. to to completely subvert mm-hmm. because it's a system that does not promote individual thought. It's a system that does not promote personal responsibility. Right. Well, right. see, that's it. It is It is a system that does not trust the person. And ultimately, you can only go so far on that. You know, it's they kill, you know, they they pretend to kill Croc and they take him over his dread. But they don't, like you said, they don't fully trust him. Like when he says the stuff about the sisters, they're kind of like, eh, I don't know, yeah, you're kind of a weirdo fuck up. And it's like, mm-hmm. then why did you let him become dread? And so well, that's just it. they let him become dread because silver has bought into the lie of dread as much as anyone. Well, yes. Well, that's it. Well, it's not. See, that's the thing. It's not it's not the lie of dread. It's it is the it's the symbol of dread. It's like, he's like, we need this symbol on the streets. And I think that is one of those things that happens with fascism, right? Like you put the symbols before the individuals and, you know, in theory, you have a lot of things that make that an advantage. But the problem is, is then, like you said, you lose all faith in the person and personal responsibility in in the faith of people telling you what they actually are telling you. And you just assume that they're, you know, crying cranks, you know, and all the stuff that happens is is very, very tied into uh, a very specific failure. And it and it is that failure of of essentially a, a fascist state. You know, of we're not we we believe in one thing we that means that we completely undervalue yes. this thing, and yes. at a certain point, we completely point. we completely believe in this thing so yeah. much yeah. that it is our undoing, yeah. and it, and it is for Necropolis, I mean entirely their undoing. If it wasn't for Dreads and Magruder, and we, you know we should talk about Magruder's return soon, but if it wasn't for Dread and Magruder, who are two outsiders, who are two people who have push themselves outside of the system. Yes. Turning. Then it would utterly be the undoing of Mega City One. That's and right. honestly, ultimately the world. Mm-hmm. Because it makes the story makes a point of saying like no other city helps. Yes. Because <laughs> they're scared. Right. And if that was to continue, 
of course the dark judges would go for other cities. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. You yep. know? Yep. And no one would be able to stop them either because no one's no one other than these outsiders are willing to stand up to them. Yes. So it is. It's like this is a story uh, this is a story about Dread's evolution, but it's a story about the utter failure mm-hmm. of the justice system. Mm-hmm. You know, which is great. And again, I didn't like. I didn't realize that when I read it thirty years ago, and honestly, I didn't realize that when I reread it again, you know, last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. This is very much a story that, as I reread it and reread it and reread it, I was like, oh, there's, there's so much more here than I thought there was. <laughs> like, I just liked it before because it's a dark judge's story, and Carlos Escarazard is fucking great. Absolutely. And, Kraken yeah. looks great when he's corrupted, and, and you know, mm-hmm. you get all these fucking great scenes. But no, there's so much here. Yeah. There's so much in this volume that it, it is, I mean, it, it's, while the end feels rushed, although, again, upon, like, you know, reread N, that I don't actually think it is so much anymore. Well, see, uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think my problem, my problem is a little bit of changing gears. Like, it, it what's great about it is, Wagner, you're right, it's not... The Dark Judges, and especially the Sisters, are never more, like, they're, it's, it is the closest, I think, that I've ever read to a, you know, an action comic or a quote-unquote superhero comic where the, the bad guys are allegorical, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, even though Wagner comes up with a certain amount of, of cleverness in terms of defeating the the judges it's you kind of can't punch an allegory and i and i think that's one of the things that that is rough is this is this is a story where the dark judges are separate from the sisters and it makes sense because they are you know it's a it's a quote unquote psychological story, even when you're dealing about the quote the psychology of fascism. But mm-hmm. you know, when it's resolved by just pulling the plug on the drain and having them swirl away, it's kind of it's a it's a little See, underwhelming, yeah. you know. See, I love that because I I I thought that was the case mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. Like I agree. I like that was very much my take on it for years, and in you know Stockholm Syndrome, you know reread seven. <laughs> um, I really came around to 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 being like, oh, I like the way it ends now. See, I, uh, part of it is yeah, part of it is Wagner has literally li- literally tells us multiple times mm-hmm. that this is l- all a contract. Mm-hmm. He does it in Dead Man, mm-hmm. where the sisters can't hurt Dread. Yeah, he does it. Uh, when the sisters first attack in Necropolis. Absolutely. Where Anderson repeatedly says it's not real. Yep. Yep. Right? They repeatedly tell you that none of this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And that the worst things that are happening are happening as a result of the people's individual decisions after they have been tricked. Well, see, that's it. it it's so literally that, that's because why... of their belief. It's because yes, of what they believe why... that undoes them. Yeah. And that's why I kind of love that it ends up being remarkably easy to get rid of the, the sisters. Well, but okay. The sisters aren't really there. Yes, but I, okay. So here's the thing. There's the, 
there's the bad, better, and best, right? And I think that the ending of Necropolis is better, both in terms of the Dread Kraken showdown and the disposal of the sisters. It's better, but I also found myself being like, eh, it's not the best. And I don't know what that would be. And again, it's I hate to be the Russian judge that's giving a 9.5 for the landing mm-hmm. instead of the perfect 10. But I am. I'm a little bit like, I see your point and I agree. I don't think that I wanted Dread to like punch his fist through Nausea's sure. face, I, you yeah. know. But, but but there's, for me, the the better end Mm because i agree like you know if you if you literally stop at necropolis if you stop at part 26 necropolis i.e the end of this book you know anderson punching dread in the shoulder and being like oh shucks you know guess who's gonna have to clean up this time that is an underwhelming end Mm -hmm. but when you get to the next volume and you get to theater of death and you get to nightmares the tying up of thematic impact Mm -hmm. an epilogue is much more satisfying. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's much more satisfying to see, of, of, as much as anything else, it's much more satisfying to see Dread actually look for Judge Death, mm-hmm. which is implied by the end of this book, right. but you don't see, yep. right? Because Death is still the big ticket villain. Again, mm-hmm. he doesn't do anything in this book. He really doesn't. Right. All he really does in this book is kind of brainwash Kraken and, and then try and kill himself. That's it. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he escapes and you have people being like, we're looking for him, but we can't find him. And that's, that's the last you hear of him in this book. And that right. is very overwhelming. It helps that the next, the very next story you see dread looking for death again, not finding him. Yeah. Spoilers. Judge death is fucked off the magazine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has his own strip in the magazine. And that's where he's fucked off to. Mm-hmm. That's why there's no resolution for that. Mm-hmm. But you also get in nightmares, not only Yasa. returning, yes. Right. But, also get silver returning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that matters to me as a reader oh yeah because dealing with silver's complicity mm-hmm. because silver is really 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 to blame for a lot of what happens here yes you know and 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 because of the structure of necropolis silver again dies off panel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and literally, because there's a time jump, you get like all the way up to shit goes bad. Right. And then there's a time jump to shit went bad a month ago. Yes. And yeah. now shit is very bad. Yes. And that time jump is simultaneously great in terms of the story. Yes. Endlessly frustrating. Mm. Because all of a sudden you, you cut to, you know, from the dark judges appearing. Yes. Which is a great cliffhanger. Yeah. To we're now a month ahead. Yeah. The judges have all turned. Kraken is now a dark judge. Silver has killed himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mega City One is is a hellscape. Mm-hmm. And it's a very effective jump. Mm-hmm. Is really frustrating as well. Well, again, as you point out, they they handle it in the next volume, and they handle it well. I think that's. Yes, they do. You know, I think one of the things that is really wonderful about this volume and again, the, you know, semi trifecta of the end of volume 13, Dead Man in this is Wagner realizing like, 
oh, I can do I can do whatever I want with time. Like jumping ahead creates these expectations of, well, but what happened? And then when I fill them in, I mean, there's sections in that Tales of the Dead Man, which is just paginated so weird. I don't know if it was all a one shot or they hid the prog pages. No, it's it's what happens is they for some reason they pulled out the 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 credit pages. Okay. Like so, so yeah. it it was like six or seven episodes, but it reads for some reason like one story, even though like the artist changed his way through. Yes, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, yeah. it's really mind bending. But like you go through that and you have flashbacks that you realize are happening within a within the flashback of you know dread as dead man remembering what happened you know and so like tales of the dead man which is the first story in this volume happens midway through necropolis right right yeah exactly and so we're realizing where that happens but so by the time you get to dread remembering stuff that morphe you know his first day as a as a cadet with morphe and you're realizing that is happening more or less within dread's last day as a judge and that that itself is being remembered by dread after he's you know he's on the cursed earth and all this other stuff and is now decided to come back it's i just i think that wagner just really had that had a sort of level of stylistic breakthrough in a way of like oh i can do anything like i literally can i can kill this character and then i can go back later and fill it in in a way that's resonant and so so much of the time he really does come up with this crazy way to get his cake and and eat it too because it is wonderful when the judges come back and everything in the narrative has been building to if they come back, shit's going to hit the fan. And what's wonderful mm-hmm. is you turn the page or you come back the next week and all of a sudden you're months in the future and it it is bad. It is. Everything is bad. And of course, one of the things that is really wonderful about it is... Right off the bat, again, Wagner's like talking about what happened, but the genius is he's talking about it in the way that people think about what happened, not necessarily what actually happened. So, oh no, because it, it's very ambiguous. It's, it's yes. an emotional read on what happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, to the point where you're not even sure what's happened to Silver. Yeah. Exactly. You know, he literally purposely contradicts himself, which is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's just, there's, to me, there's just so much there. It's literally, to me, my problems are by the time you get to the end, it's almost a semi-unsolvable problem. Like, it's like, oh, these are better endings for this and that, but they're not somehow, they just still feel me leaving me a little bit like, ah, but I just want that. There's just one little thing there that's not happening and I don't know what it is. So I don't know why he would expect it. Part of the problem is also, you know, we talked about this last time. Necropolis breaks the strip. Right. Like the the idea that you can go back to normal and they, they do. But the idea that you can go back to normal after Necropolis is kind of impossible. Well, I like how, again, like we read, I read through Nightmares in in 
volume 15, which is several strips down the road. It's several months and things are not back to normal yet. Like, you know, sure, like, but, but you know, they kind of are like, well, by the time you get, honestly, by the time you get to like the first Garth Ennis story, right. In, in case files 15, mm-hmm. it's a traditional dread story. Well, sure. I mean, I you get know, that. I, and I, at some point they'll get to that, but yes. Right. No, I don't know. Like, how I don't, like do don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I love the Necropolis has, I, I has a significant after effect. And it does for a long time. Like the the dread is supporting democracy thing. Honestly, still kind of playing out. Mm-hmm. Um, dread as reformers definitely still playing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you still at some point have to get back to like dread is the law, right? Dread is right. Dread is part of the justice system. Yes, or, or that's not true. You don't have to get back to that, but they do get. But back they to do that. get back to it. yes. No, exactly, right? exactly. Um, yeah. And and that's honestly ridiculous yeah in so many ways right you know like like genuinely if, if you it's it's tar- hard to say you know if necropolis was real then blah 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 because it's literally a fucking ghost story you know right but but nonetheless there's uh, there's a lot of like you you've just got to accept it right for for that and part of the end is there's no way to really sum it up. Well, Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's not really. Well, okay. <laughs> like so, I, 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 think, I think that Theater of Death and Nightmares significantly improves the quote unquote end. Mm-hmm. Like significantly improves it mm-hmm. and makes it feel like the story has some resonance and has some depth beyond. And then the bad guys were defeated. Bah, bah, bah. But where the book ends is before those. But so and it ends with they capture the villains right and and that is unsatisfying given everything you've well read. I just I I actually think I see your point I just want to say I sort of disagree because I see what you're saying and I'm I'm saying I don't think it's that I'm saying that when you get to the end of the thing that literally has to end in and of the moment what he did was better than what it could have been, but still isn't a thing, a thing unto itself. The dread Kraken thing has an extra moment of something and that I'm just like, eh, and I can't figure out what it is. It it doesn't have to do with the democratic principles. It It's literally about dread and his shadow self and the way that they quote unquote reconcile. There's literally a thing for me, like you said, with the emotional con game of, uh, I just don't know how to describe it other than, okay, so a weird comparison, but one that we've both seen recently is part of the fun of watching the movie Knives Out, I think, is you're kind of watching it and you're like, what kind of movie, what kind of murder mystery movie am I watching? Is this? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that's really fun is how Johnson plays with the the quote-unquote red herrings are more or less thematic. Like, he lays the groundwork so that you're like, oh, this is going to come across where this is the grand master plan of the brilliant puzzle-crafting author who has crafted his revenge on everyone. And... It kind of is, but it kind of isn't. And it actually does end up 
being closer to a no, this is like a really awesome episode of Columbo where the super big guest star would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for the sleuth, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So similarly, there is a level in which uh, what is great about Knives Out is more or less how as he changes gears and brings it back to what you want, he also has enough stuff that more or less for for lack of a better term makes the red herrings feel less like red herrings thematically they are but for what they're doing in this story they have oh, yeah, their they, own they yeah yeah yes. they yes. serve yes. their yeah, own ends and points yes. exactly yes. and that's the only point where i feel that this kind of trips up there is just uh, within the story itself i'm like Ugh. now all that being said, we've talked about this sucker for close to an hour, jumping right to the end. Do you, should we talk about <laughs> the scope of what happens I, along I, yeah, it? Yeah, I think actually it would help if we actually yeah. explained what Necropolis is. Right. Is, I, I will say this very quickly, though. I think you're arguably right. Mm. Um, but I see it differently because I don't think it. I don't think that ends here, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. I like, see I that. think uh, Dread facing his... Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say Shadow Self, because it's, it's really Dread facing himself and facing his responsibilities. But also Dread literally looking at uh, a, a mirror image. Dread, mm -hmm. like, for example, on two different levels. One... Dread will continue to evolve as a character as a result of what happens here. Yes. It, it's right. what happens. Right. Thing number two, they bring in other clones of Dread. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Wagner essentially returns to this theme mm -hmm. and does lots of other things with it. Right. And so I I get what you're saying. And I, I like I said, I think you're probably right. But I'm also like, yeah, but he, it's not over. Well, which <laughs> well, makes sense. Which is, yeah. It's also over. Yeah. For a long time. Right. Like, for like 10 years at least. Right. I think Wagner started bringing in other clones. Yeah, which makes sense. But, but uh, at the same time, he does. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Rico comes into it, that being clone Rico. Yeah. Other, there are multiple clones of Dread mm -hmm. that will show up mm -hmm. that serve different narrative purposes. And they're, uh, Rico in particular, because Rico is the first one that's introduced, Rico acts very much as both in terms of the meta narrative but in terms of the narrative itself like internally mm -hmm. as kraken mark ii mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you simultaneously get wagner writing about many of the things that kraken experiences when he is dread mm -hmm. i.e pressure to live up to dread mm -hmm. and you get him writing about that in a slightly skewed perspective because mm -hmm. like doesn't pretend to be dread rico is is his own like judge right but everyone is like your dreads clone mm -hmm. so they we expect this from you and so that like he he gets to deal with that he gets to deal with the pressure wagner gets to deal with the pressure mm -hmm. in in it again and in a different way and in a way that is honestly more fulfilling for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also dread literally like has to do just as in this he he's given Kraken to to grade to value it as a rookie. Mm -hmm. He does to Rico, mm. and Dread thinks as he's evaluating him, you know, more or less, shit. I've done this before, You're right? So I, it's very difficult for me to be like, you know, yeah, that you know, they they don't go there. 
because I'm like, I know I just reread those stories the other week. Right. I do go there, but they go there like 10 years later. Oh, so yeah. you're right. right. But also in the grand scheme of dread, which is completely unrealistic to, to sort of really bring in. Right. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is potentially quite inspiring about Wagner on Dread is the idea of, you know, we're so used to, or I'm so used to superhero comics where it's like, oh, you know, it's Dr. Doom again, you know, (laughs) right. And it's, it's the, but the idea of returning to that type of story when you have a, a new take on it or a new basically a new idea like your thinking's refined or you're like oh i kind of didn't hit the mark is there a way that i can go back and redo this and before we get back to the you know or rather get into sort of summarizing uh the 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 many splendid thing that is necropolis the one thing that i do want to point out that i think is is really important in a way of Reading Judge Dread Volume the Case Files Volume Fourteen in the the year of our Lord twenty twenty and this month is it's very easy for me to see how a bunch of people who have experienced a huge trauma would re-embrace a fucked up system that put them in that place because they just want things to go back to being normal, <laughs> right? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I know it's a, it's you're you're like that's that, that's insane. That's that's utterly unrealistic. You're you're you um, clearly overreacted to the latest episode of the Masked Singer more than uh, more than I did. Exactly. That, that's exactly that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. No. I, I like like I said before we recorded. Like I I I got through these this you know reread without like drawing parallels until I got to the last chapter where they have the mass graves. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, yeah, that was, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things that I thought was, is interesting. Cause again, we'll talk about it more next month, but the epilogue to Necropolis feels a little more eerily in parallel with our times than just, when Necropolis rolls around and everything's bad. I mean, because everything is really bad. But part of me is like, yeah, I mean, we're not, we don't have people who have, whose feet have gangrene and are starving to death, you know, but all they needed to do was mention their inability to get toilet paper and it would have been like, oh my God. So. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, I, I, I 100% know what you're talking about. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's, there are moments where you're just like, oh, wait. And it's true when you get to, um, theater of death and, and, and nightmares it there are moments especially nightmares for me there, there are moments where you're just like oh <laughs> yeah oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so in that regard i see i see your point but i do think that if ever in the at least reading things this month i think that i have a gimme for the idea of like Yes, I mean the system's broken and 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 it wouldn't be allowed to continue in this way. It'd be like, boy, I wish that were true. You know? Exactly. Have you watched the news? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I know. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, Graham McMillan. So, Necropolis. It's easy as pie to break down because it <laughs> jumps <laughs> forwards and backwards in time. But uh, it yes. actually is really easy to break down. Yes. Like if you follow the plot 
chronologically, yeah. Dredd is uh, tasked with evaluating Kraken to become a full judge. He ultimately fails him uh, after a test that includes the death, the murder of his own mentor, Morphe, mm-hmm. who we get like Morphe, you, you know, Wagner says Morphe is essentially Dredd's surrogate father. Yeah. Which, so, again, kind of comes out of nowhere, but I actually really like. Mm-hmm. Because Dredd, Dredd loses it. Dredd becomes surprisingly emotional. And this is seen as more proof for the other judges that Dredd has lost it. Mm-hmm. Dredd fails Kraken and Alex takes a long walk and leaves. It is sent away. Kraken is put to death uh, because he has failed, only for it to turn out that he's not been put to death at all. It, it's a fake out. And Chief Judge Silver, who has decided that Dredd as an icon is as is too important to lose, decides in secret to not only make Kraken a full judge, but specifically to make him judge Dredd. Yes. This turns out to be, shall we say, a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Because Kraken ultimately turns out to be a really tragic figure, I think. Oh, absolutely. Utterly cannot live up to the expectations that are placed in him. Despite the fact that he is clearly a good judge outside of that. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if that's a plus, because once again, the justice system is fucked. Yes. But um, this essentially leads to him to be easy pickings for the Sisters of Death, who are channeled through, I can't remember her name. The the uh, Oh, yeah. Is it Xena? I think. Yeah, I think it's Zena. Yeah. Or basically, who, uh, who were channeled through a woman who the last time Judge Death was running around basically almost died as a result of Judge Death, but, but instead le- was left alive. And I mean, how would you describe it? Because it, it's not just the, the, the implication that she is, she's been mentally scarred, she also seems to have some connection. Yes. To yeah. dead worlds as a result. Yes. Well, um, it it is. So there's a lot of awesome literary influences in here, and what's great is it's very of the horror fiction genre to take us take trauma essentially and talk about the effects of trauma as something that makes you monstrous of a lot of different stripes. But, you know, the werewolf who itself was attacked by a werewolf, the vampire who, of course, you know, was turned to a vampire, blah, blah, blah. In answering the door at exactly the wrong moment, which is to say when the judges are running through uh, the building, destroying everyone, and he literally puts his hand into her heart she essentially becomes a future bride in waiting for judge death. And it has all the, it's, it's, you know, one part, the, the, the woman who's been bitten by the vampire, who is, you know, now sort of his bride and pining for him. But it also runs into, you know, anything, just a whole genre of horror fiction from Edgar Allan Poe to Lovecraft to whatever. And the thing that's great is that um, Wagner gets uh, a few laughs about it because she's married and her husband is such a good-natured oaf that he more or less 
is in the process of finally, after months and months and months of huge warning signs, finally tries to do something by um, uh, uh, writing a letter essentially to um, Dear Abby, you know, and the 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 gist between a Dear Abby letter of marital discord and creepy cult shenanigans is, I think, genuinely funny. But it's also, as Wagner does, very sad because the couple really do love one another and they are both sacrificed. The course of Xena's, her pining for Judge Death leads her to start sending her mind out, going in trances, more or less astrally projecting herself in search of him. And what she finds makes contact with are not Judge Death, but his two sisters, Fear, uh, Phobia, and Nausea, who um, more or less fully take control and using the sacrifice of the husband and then the wife's psychic energy, they are able to make their way into the city and move to other manipulations, which is essentially they have to get their hands on uh, Judge Anderson's um, hot side judge friend who has <laughs> limitless really? psychic powers. Hey, it's not subtext, Graham. It's text. There's a scene where she goes into like a crazy, um, you know, trance as she's just, painting I'm Necropolis. Gonna, I'm going to throw out there the hot part, I think, is subtext. It's not subtext. It's she's literally yanking down her bosoms. I mean, she's overheated. What's wrong with you, Graham? You're a monster. Anyway, uh, <laughs> of course, bear in mind that she then literally spends the rest of the story fulfilling the traditional damsel in distress role yes. of being locked to a bed and writhing. Yeah, exactly. As Graham would say, as you do. The twist where everything sort of starts to come together is in looking for an agent in this world that will do their bidding and get the side judge, they reach out for Kraken. And Kraken is... Although he is dread, he's living in Rowdy Yates, he's doing his best to live up to the dread thing. He's got, he is, he is weakened. He is um, uh, seduced by them because he is a man with two souls, which again is a sort of thing that gets said several times throughout by several different characters. And he is... The judges, because he is carrying the secret where he is posing as dread, but he's not, they're keeping him away from the other judges. He's reporting just to the guys above, but they don't entirely believe him. He's under a ton of pressure. And because this is 1990, one of those literary influences that I wanted to point out is I'm 90% sure the good old mad dog of crime literature, James Elroy, because there's a page where, uh, Kraken slash Dread starts popping pills and it's literally when you have the phrase no more nightmares, take black beauties, you're like you're clearly in Elroyville and what's great well, you is also get red, red for Rage. Yes, Red for Rage. Again, by the time, like this is, you know the Black Dahlia came out in 1987 and it is a masterpiece of good of of basically bad cops that you feel 
incredible amounts of sympathy for as they take too much benzos and slap around citizens. And you do get to see Kraken getting more and more cruel. Uh, there's one scene, again, right of out of Elroy, where he is um, chained up some, some drug head and has in possession of something, of sugar, surely not cocaine, but is like, look, it's snowing as he sprinkles this powdered stuff all over his head. And you're like, wow, that's so much more dickish than even Dread got to be. You see yes. him really Wagner has a really great because you get you get the best of both worlds you get to see dread go bad and and you know how creepy that is um but you also do really get it to be uh Kraken is very much an individual that you feel well, for in the case of okay. this I agree with you but also at that point at the point before Kraken basically succumbs to the sisters mm-hmm did you think he was like Rico? Like we never see Rico as a judge, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't help but essentially think that he was being Rico mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. By know, which I mean the original Rico, Dred's right. brother. Right. I, for me, it's there's a couple of things. It's a lot of it is flattened out, but I personally think that like real early on, there's a page where. Um, Kraken Dread uh, basically uh, chains up a mother-daughter team that's beating the crap out of um, a dude. They're basically a mother-daughter mugger situation. And, and Kraken then turns around to the victim and says, you know, you're under arrest for walking in this area with jewel studded knee pads, 60 days incitement. And the women are like, geez, why we have to get dread. And the guy was like, you said it. And, and that's classic dread. It's distilled down to a page, but there's a lot of his greatest hits that are captured over the course of five or six pages of him doing the law. But because of the speed of it, because of Escara's colors, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. One of the things that is so wonderful about Judge Dredd Case Files 14 is, unlike so many of these other stories, it is a Judge Dredd story told in color that needs to be told in color. Because whether it's using it for revealing the inner psychology of the characters, whether it's to convey the tone of the narrative, many of which are wrong, whether it's a way for um, Eskara to move between objective and subjective point of views, or even just to do absolutely amazing watercoloring that seems ridiculously evocative, ridiculously evocative and detailed. And then you look and see how much he's doing with just a few lines of a watercolor brush, just exquisite stuff. Anyway, Kraken, I saw him as, as, as like I said, as not dread. There's just one or two points where when he's starting to go bad, you're like, oh, this is what it would be like. Like, it's one thing where you get to see a judge go bad, and it's another to have the idea of dread going bad. And Kraken is 
and isn't dread. He's younger and more vulnerable. He's in a way it his conflict is made more explicit on the page here whereas with dread it was it's been 13 volumes where it goes from you don't see it because he doesn't have it. You don't see it because he mostly doesn't have it and he's suppressing it, you know. Yeah, he's he's very repressed. Exactly. Yeah. So um so Kraken you, oh, Yeah, sorry. Sorry. I was gonna say the one thing you're you know, you're saying he's tried, but he's not tried. Yeah. One of the things I really like, really genuinely like about the way that Wagon writes this mm-hmm. is as soon as Kraken gets that badge, he's referred to as dread. Yes. In the comic. Yep. Which I love. Yeah. Like, even the narration refers to him as Dread. That's right. Which I, I genuinely love. Yeah. I remember as a reader when this was coming out in, in Progs, mm-hmm. even though you've read The Dead Man, even though you've seen Tales of the Dead Man with Dread, like yep. Dread active, mm-hmm. I remember wondering if Kraken was going to be Dread. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because the strip, like, buys into it, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yep. No, and it's... As soon as he gets the badge, he is Dread. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, what the genius of the narrative is how much Kraken is going through a different Dark Knight of the Soul than Dread does. But because he yeah. makes different decisions, he he fails and he falls. Um, I do have to say one thing that drives me nuts in a it's great, but I also hate it. Like literally the thanks I hate it meme in, in one is how cute Kraken is when drawn by Carlos Escara. Like he looks like fucking Charlie Brown with a dread helmet on his head. You know, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit how Escara chooses to draw dread. He's a little more cartoonish, you know, you see the nose, but the nose is super small and flat, but he makes dreads mouth. He's got the stiff lower lip of dread, but he makes it so tiny and cute. And it's it, just it, like, it's very Aww. funny. He does sort of draw him as like, and it's, I never quite worked out if that was because he was drawing quote unquote young dread or if he was, you know, doing a cartoonish impression of dread. Yeah. I, you know? And either way, it's a great signifier. It is. It because it reads us dread and, and not dread at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. And, and he more or less can, there's times where it's like he'll turn it off for a little bit, but I suppose there are ways in which there was part of me that's like, I kind of want to forget a little bit more, you know, and it's the closest you get are some of the panels literally where he's like three black bombs to keep away the fiends, you know, Um, which by the God, this is Necropolis part three, the second page of it, which again is as, Kraken and, and the other thing that's wonderful is he's reading Dread's comportment. Uh, he's literally reading Dred, the book that Dread wrote about how to be a model officer and just being like, I've got to figure out what does he mean by this? Like he literally looks at the connotation, the annotation from Dread of in Dread's old book, own book, where he refers to the big lie, which is about the judges being incapable of falsehood and and kraken doesn't get it he literally is like the big lie what did he mean is there a clue in that for me and it's literally the whole game but he doesn't get it and he just takes pills goes to sleep the sisters 
intrude into his dream life in a way that will ter- help turn him. But the panel where they're reaching out for him and you see Rowdy Yates block in just the most, oh, I love that panel so much because the 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 coloring, the watercolors or whatever that hell Escara is doing to get the effect of the cityscape that is simultaneously both Mega City One and the dreamscape of Mega City One is just phenomenal. Oh my God. And then just two pages later, you got Judge Anderson's hot friend being hot. So, you know, it's <laughs> one of the things, you know, you talked about Rowdy Hates Bucket and, and Kraken yeah. confronting the sisters. Necropolis destroys Dread's life. Mm-hmm. Like it literally physically destroys his home. And destroys his belongings. That's right. So Dread not only leaves the the life he had, yes, in, in Tales of the Dead Man, and then returns to it. He returns something that doesn't exist anymore. That's right. He has no no. Uh, his old life is literally physically gone. Mm-hmm. He can't go home again. Mm-hmm. In, in a very real, literal sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Moves into Dread's life and destroys it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very you know, much so. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Yeah, we we we've still like we sort of stalled on our on our plot synopsis, right? So the, the sisters, right? Um, they seduce the Dread, well, yeah. uh, seduce Kraken. Crack- they get a hold of. He, they use him very quickly to uh, lure her to the floor on uh, Dunk Ronaldo block, where the sisters are uh, ensconced. And she becomes their new power source. And her, her being Judge Adji. Yeah, Judge Adji. Hit, yeah. a.k.a. Anderson's hot friend. Can we also talk about Anderson all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you because I feel like you either alluded to this or mentioned it and I semi-forgot. So Anderson has uh, uh, her solo strip in right. 2008 at this point and has had for a while has had for about uh close to 200 issues actually mm-hmm. she her solo strip starts in like the early 500s and this is like running up to issue seven to prog 700 mm-hmm. and in the first of the anderson solo strips it's a judge death story mm-hmm. uh, and it ends i was gonna say setting up necropolis but that's not true it ends with her casting all of the dark judges into limbo right like there's a dimension jump and and it's not set for any particular place and so she ends with them casting the limbo which theoretically like does get rid of them mm-hmm. until of course the story they they find them again right right but it, yeah yeah the last time we've seen the the dark judges is the very first Anderson strip and Anderson solo strip is why we've not seen her in dread honestly for a while mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. yeah and it's great there's stuff here that is wonderful anyway so so you get anderson in she wants to know what happened to her friend she senses that there is something psychically happening but she can't track him down as they start looking into Aji's disappearance things point more and more towards kraken and meanwhile kraken himself is looking into uh the tech that dispelled the dark judges and whether or not he can, whether or not they can be summoned back. And one of the things that's wonderful about this is how much Kraken continues to essentially not know. Like 
my favorite scenes. This has every all the good stuff in it. Like there's a wonderful scene of him where he's like, uh, I don't is, you know, literally his realizing that the dark judges can be brought back and realizing that without meaning to, he is more or less gone and found out and played their game. He gets called in, like confronted about the thing with Eji and more or less literally says, I have no memory of it. I don't think so. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And the judges being the dicks that they are, simultaneously are like, well, of course, you're silly, Anderson. Dread, it's dread, for crying out loud. I mean, it's not really dread, but we really trust him, except when he asks us to trust him, and then we don't. But, you know, ultimately, Kraken real turns himself in because he realizes that he has done more that he knows and finally owns up to it after a certain period of more or less being scared, like, going through the period where he thinks he's done something bad and afraid to turn himself in because it will mean failing and quote unquote proving dread right, which is a wonderful moment that I do want to return to among others. But essentially it's too late as he turns himself in and the whole story is up and out. The dark sisters launch their invasion of Mega City One, and because they have the powers to uh, make people um, see whatever they want them to see, and if the people don't disbelieve it, they are essentially feel or act as if they're in it. Um, Mega City One more or less falls in a mess of paranoia, phobia, and fear as the judges see monsters everywhere. Again, not subtle. Uh, but wonderful. And the <laughs> several chapters in which they more or less um, shoot each one another down, uh, you have a wonderful scene where Anderson mentally is like, okay, fuck this. I'm going to psychically read your brain, Dread Kraken, and figure out where they're storing at Kit Aji. And as she does, she more or less is like, Oh, you poor screwed up kid, which I, yeah, I do love that. I love that Anderson is like, even in the midst of this, and she, of course, really does blame this guy for the loss of her friend, the shit that's going on in his head, even before the, she sees the shit with the sisters is he's a fucking mess. Unfortunately for her and for them, uh, they, well, actually, what happens? She almost he basically I, I was going to say like the tank bomb blows them apart and they get separated and then you see Anderson die. But in fact, good old Kraken does punch her in the face <laughs> and gets ready to start choking her in the name of Judd, which is an entirely creepy, full seduction of the evil it, scene. It, yeah, I have to say we've sort of gone past it slightly because it's not really important, mm -hmm. but the ways that the sisters of death basically break kraken yeah it's by bringing back the judd brainwashing yeah like and, and really i mean they fuck with his head yeah to see it and he does not he do, genuinely doesn't know what to believe which is is very creepy like it's yes. very creepy that he's having dreams of like basically the two brainwashings fight for each other and also getting back to wagner being just fucking great when dread is evaluating 
Kraken. Oh, yes. He, he, uh, he says, I write to him, do you ever get the feeling you've traded one life or another? Yes. Which is, lit, you know, which 10 weeks from that, at that point right. is going to actually be very, very, very important. Oh, there's so much that's great about that sequence because, of course, you because – Dread is your point of view character, but so much of the time you can be outside him. The things that he is asking Kraken about at that one point, Kraken is like, oh, he's trying to make me slip up by saying outrageous things that nobody could believe. But as we know by that point in the narrative, he Dread believes them. And he Dread is simultaneously inquiring of himself and inquiring of Kraken. So, yeah, there's so much. The whole Tales of the Dead Man sequence have so many wonderfully, perfectly nuanced parts of Dread and Kraken interacting and the conclusions that they come to rightly and wrongly um, throughout. That's wonderful. And like you said, it goes on to pay dividends. Yeah, but also how they don't, how they just don't understand each other. Yes, right. Well, they don't understand each other. It, they really are family. They don't, or each other or their self. They yeah. understand each other too well to fully understand each other. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's great. Anyway, Kraken is, at that point, completely broken. Yeah. And, and tries to kill Anderson and fails because Anderson gets run over by a tank. Yeah. Which is great. Yes. Especially for the later reveal. But I love that Anderson just gets run over by a tank and that's it. Anderson's out of the way. Uh, Kraken goes and at gunpoint forces the Dimension Jump Judge to bring back the Dark Judges. And then there's a time jump. Yep. And after the time jump, Mega City 1 is, is a hellscape. Yep. But that's okay. The story doesn't continue in Mega City 1. It continues in the Cursed Earth. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You've got Dread as Dead Man having commandeered a a little uh, mutant's junky jeep. And then they, of course, are um, attacked slash driven off the road by a crazy bearded woman who um, more or less in a wonderful revisiting of the, you know, Almost the scene, weirdly, it's a weird analogy, but like Bilbo Baggins confronting Gollum, where essentially this crazy woman with a gun tells Dredd that she will let them go if she can, if he can guess her name. And in a truly wonderful and surprising moment, Dredd does. It's former chief Judge Magruder, she of the death-shaped earrings, who is now a crazy bearded uh weirdo of the you know the classic western ilk but despite the fact that she speaks in the first person plural is and it is openly nuts is also completely sane and completely on board with uh having to resave mega city one from the judges magruder is so great yes like i genuinely love that magruder is is at once very much not the character she was before. That's Magruder, right. when we saw her before, was very controlled, very um, restrained, yeah. uh, very insular. And now she is literally this mutated schizophrenic. Yes. Who is nonetheless amazingly competent still. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, she still has it, but also 
it you can see that uh, i mean it's it's obvious that she has become a schizophrenic since she's taken a long walk but you could all you already get the feeling that like there's something not right about magruder right well and yes mm-hmm. yeah spoilers magruder's gonna actually stick around for a long time after this i'm so glad i'm so glad and continue to get more and more in a very slow way in the way that Wagner does character development mm-hmm. but continue to get more and more and more paranoid mm-hmm. in a way that is endlessly entertaining mm. and, and goes from comic relief to not comic relief again very slowly but wonderfully because of that right Right. Absolutely. It's a, it's great stuff. It's, it's one of those things where because we spent so much time arguing over the, over the ending in some ways, I'm like, ah, yes, I would love to jump in. And because this book is just chock full of great sequences, like just sort of in the same way that if, if you and I were to talk about, like, I could talk about my favorite Five, my favorite five Escara panels, or I could talk about my favorite five Dread Magruder interactions in just this volume, you know, or like there's well, they're, so they're many great things. Dub- yeah. They're a great double act, is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because Dread has, if anything, become more stoic. Yes. <laughs> as Dead Man. And now you have Magruder, who is at once a comedy sidekick in the same way that you've had, like, you know, Fergie in The Day the Law Died, mm-hmm. or, you know, other earlier sidekicks for Dread. Yes. But you also, like, she's still, I mean, she's, she comes in and is incredibly capable, but also when things are quote unquote restored, she basically, like, scares the other judges to be like, okay, you don't have a chief judge, so I'm your chief judge now. Right. And they're like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, you know, it's great. Yeah, she becomes the perfect sidekick for him in this, in part because she is she is a loon, um, and of course, in that sort of crazy cackling, um, ah, who's the character? The character actor who used to always play it. It's not, it's Woody something. So sorry, everyone. Between good Woody Guthrie and Woody Harrelson, I'm never going to get to it. But basically, the guy who specializes in playing crazy old coot characters is uh, Judge Magruder's role. And what's wonderful is Judge Dredd, who's always literally has a deadpan by this point. His face is the face of death. So it's even better uh, of uh, for her to crack wise while he keeps you know, basically being stoic. And when he occasionally returns with a quip as well, it's just hilarious. They managed to get in a scene that I, I don't need to talk about the scene, but eventually we'll have to talk about the repercussions of the scene. They are near the city with a bunch of refugees and a judge, judge Luciano comes up and more or less, um, pulls the authority figure and moves and more or less starts slapping people around and eating food and threatens to shoot people and dread in true Western style faces him down, shoots the gun out of his hand and then takes all of his clothes, costume dresses up as a judge so that they can re infiltrate necropolis. What's amazing is uh, essentially, is it part 14 where suddenly things turn yet again? Like we've gone from oh, yeah, Kraken yeah, so- to Dread to 
and this was a huge surprise, although looking back, it shouldn't have. Um, young kids on the run, one of whom is Cadet Giant, who we met in just the last volume. And Cadet Giant, who it went through his uh, wonderful retelling of the Star Wars prequels, but with a happier ending with Dread, is now ultra competent on his own. And we are in uh, rollicking Kid Adventureville, where they're in the process of trying to escape uh, Mega City One and are being hunted by the judges and Judge Mortis. And it's it's Robert Louis Stevenson meets Judge Dredd meets Days of Future Past. It's all incredibly awesome and fast moving. And again, is another twist in that way that makes that I'm like, yes, Alan Grant, please keep telling Necropolis for the rest of our natural days. This story is endless and wonderful. Uh, you mean John Wagner, of course. Yes, also, sorry. I want, Jesus. I want to say uh, very quickly, the um, one of the things I really like about the the role that Giant plays yes. is that Giant is not only, you know, hugely capable and the only one who keeps his head as mm-hmm. the other cadets, uh, you know, understandably freak out. Yes. Uh, I love, first of all, that he complains about the other cadets freaking out, which is kind of hilarious to me. Yes. But also... There's a point where he basically tells them not to kill anyone. Yeah. Uh, which, for some reason, feels important. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels important as Dredd himself is is rejecting the system yes. and, and coming into himself. It feels important that this other character, one of the few who has been able to resist the Dark Judges, mm-hmm. simultaneously rejects the cruelty. Right. Right. No, you know, th- absolutely. That, that feels thematically important. Yes. One of the things that I love about, and I was hoping to save this for volume 15, but I'll just come out and say it now and we can revisit it in volume 15, is how essentially Anderson is also thematically important for that reason. The compassion that she shows Kraken. Yeah, she is. very important. mm -hmm. Well, again, if anyone else or if the system as a whole had shown Kraken that, that empathy. Yes, that kind. This wouldn't have happened, right? Right. You know, Necropolis is a story of of the systematic failure, and the systematic failure is repeatedly because it doesn't see anyone as an individual. Right. Dread is replaceable. Mm-hmm. When people call and talk about, you know, there's some weird shit happening with my neighbors to the point where my wall is now ice. Yes. Like they call him a crank instead of caring. Yeah. Like no one gives Kraken the support he wants. Yeah. All of it comes from the depersonalization. That's right. That's right. And what you see is, and I think this is really important, is Wagner, and I think this is how I assume, although I don't know, from what I read in 15, part of Anderson's role is essentially to provide Wagner with the out, which is essentially if you have the job done by good, caring people, if you have people who who keep their humanity, who are deeply human. And Anderson has always been a deeply human judge. Yes. Yes. She essentially becomes in a, in a very low key way, the, the paragon for um, how this system could in theory work. And, and in that way, she also is important because it's what she, it's literally her psychic influence 
that allows them to um, yes. beat yes. The, the weird sisters and then the judges, the dark judges. We, uh, we've kind of just said it, but we should say that um, uh, Dredd and Magruder and also the kids find Anderson, who was not crushed by the, the tank, instead the Grand Graveway underneath, and she is paralyzed. She has been comatose and paralyzed, except her subconscious has been telepathically alerting both groups yeah. to come and find her. Yes. They do find her. She gives the information to to essentially Dread. Like she tells mm-hmm. everyone, but Dread is the one that counts. Dread and the kids of Magruder lead a counter insurgency. They kill Aji, yeah. which breaks the sisters' hold on Mega City One, and essentially ends Necropolis. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that you know we were complaining about as you know maybe a bit too simple. Yeah. Um, but I really like, like upon, as I said, like, you know, rereading N, yeah. like I really like, because again, Wagner has said all along, mm-hmm. the sisters aren't real. Mm-hmm. Like they're not really doing anything. All they're doing is make you, making you do bad things. That's right. Um, and that's really underscored by the fact that the sisters are kills in like part 20 mm-hmm. and the remainder of the strip, they take care of the other dark judges really quickly. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a real important part um, so they get rid of the sisters by destroying, uh, the kit edgy, essentially, uh, the sisters are lost, uh, cries out judge death in part 23. Um, death as Graham point mentions more or less escapes by leaping to his death and then disappearing. The other judges, dark judges, their corporeal forms are destroyed most of them are collected, including thanks to a good old can of Boeing to capture one of them. But ba- is it basically Judge Death and Judge Mortis both escape? No, no, no. Uh, it's only Judge Death by the end of it. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Sorry. And what I like is there is a science to the Dark Judges. Yeah. Like that has always been consistent. If they're in bodies, you can you can physically affect them. Yes. But if you kill the body, right. Then they basically turn into gas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and can possess another body if the body's prepared. And I love that that is consistent. Yes, like they actually say, "Don't kill death." Yes, if you kill death, then he'll escape. Yes, like you know, do anything short of actually killing the body, which is why he tries to kill himself. Yes, uh, but he, and ultimately fails. But, uh, you know, Boeing is used to capture one of them, which right. is a callback to, like, the very first Judge Death story. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the, the airlock is used to yes. capture another one. And Anderson draws the psychic essence of, I think it's fire, whichever one is left, yeah. out of uh, uh, of the, the final one. Mm-hmm. And so three of them are captured and Judge Death is left to, like I said, appear in the magazine. <laughs> Well, and then there is, we've sort of skipped over it because it is one of the frustrations that sort of bums me out is there is a new dark judge, which is Judge Dredd, which is to say Kraken, who is a monstrous dark judge who kills people. And in one of the things that I love as described, but never really quite catches, is they talk about the fact that he weeps as he does so, which is wonderful and so dread finally manages himself looking a lot like judge death as someone had pointed out earlier finally gets to kraken and they have their little tete-a-tete 
And one of the things that's super interesting about the tete-a-tete is Wagner throws in a really bizarre flashback, which has Kraken, once he's summoned the judges back, he has a moment where their grip had eased. He realizes what they have done and he raises the gun to shoot the judges. And because he forgot it was a borrowed lawgiver, it blows his hand off essentially. And the judge, judge death is like, Oh, this is great. It's dread, but it's not dread. I'm going to turn you into my little puppet and I'm going to make you dance for me. And you uh, are literally going to pull people, kill people, and you're going to know what you're doing, but you aren't going to be able to stop it, which again is where the weeping comes from and is just, and he's like, okay. And, and now I'm free of him. Do what you want with me and dread in, in a absolutely fantastic moment forgives him. Kraken says, you know, says to him, like, uh, maybe I was right about you, Kraken. Maybe I wasn't. It's hard to say, but I do know one thing. I felt the power of the Sisters of Death halfway across the cursed earth, and it almost killed me. If I'd been here, well, who's to say I wouldn't be standing where you are? So no blame attached. And Kraken slash Dread says, thanks. I appreciate it. And then Dread shoots him blows just blows a big old bullet right through him and says couldn't let him live not now take it from me he didn't want to which i love it and is somehow also i'm like i want more i don't know what i want but i want more <laughs> yeah but i no, love I, it I at love the it. same time it's I, I, it's just, just fabulous it. yeah because it I, really I is love, it, it sort of underscores the new dread quote unquote well yeah absolutely the old dread you know? literally has to die for the new dread you know and it no, but it also makes like sense. it's dread it dread being kind you know yes no exactly in, in, he's showing mercy like, instead of justice in a way but also it's dread showing empathy for kraken yes. which he had been unable to do at the start of uh, in tales of a dead man mm. Okay, so here's one of the things about Tales of the Dead Man that I think is wonderful is, as as you know, Dread fails Kraken and everyone keeps telling Dread, but why? And he's like, I don't know, a hunch. Uh, no, bloodline. And then at the very end, Silver's like, no, seriously, why? You can tell me, I won't tell anyone else. And he's like, "It." I realized that he was still basically he was still Judah and he was still yeah. the Judah. And there's that great scene where, where in the course of where things, we see, a, we see a panel that we had seen earlier but yes. from a different perspective. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it is Kraken saying to dread, you know, your time is over old man, you're washed up. And one of the things that I love about Wagner is dread sees that and he's like i saw that in him and you know but even after seeing it dread more or less goes on to have doubts that his that he wasn't given kraken enough of a break and one of the things that's wonderful is the way that because dread doubts kraken that doubt undermines kraken's faith and one of the things that is pretty important for dread and kraken's reunion is is not just is not just the forgiveness, but Dread really saying like, 
I don't know if I was right. And one of the things that I think is great is because if I noticed in rereading, Wagner sets up as he should because Morphe dreads father slash mentor slash surrogate father dies. Dread flashes back to his first day as, you know, with Morph. Uh, and there's a scene where essentially Morphe slips and almost falls off a roof. And Dread grabs him and Morph's like, hey, I'm, you know, wow, I'm getting old here. <laughs> Maybe it's time for me to go be put out the pasture or something like that. It's not nearly that on the nose, but it's like, hey, I'm getting a little old. And Dread is like, you're still a damn fine judge. It doesn't matter if you're getting older. You're you're great. And the the difference between how Dread treats Morph in a moment of weakness and how Kraken treats Dread in that moment of weakness, I really do think that Wagner posits it as like, yeah, Kraken would go bad. That there is, he doesn't underline it, but there is that point where he's like, Dread is different. And it is, it's, it's, maybe it's a little bit of that, his ability to respect other people that then is able to grow into empathy, you know, mm -hmm. and mercy, you know? Yeah, perhaps. I, I, I don't know. There's just something about Dread's, for me, sees Kraken as very aggressively other. Mm -hmm. Like, far more than I think Kraken deserves. Yes, right. Because Kraken is Dread, and everyone else regards Kraken as Dread. Yeah. And Dread very, very much doesn't. Yeah. Like, he's not only not Dread, he is a threat to Dread. Right. Right? And by the time they finally meet at the end of Necropolis... Dread literally is like, if I had been you, then it could have been exactly the exactly, same. Exactly. Exactly. He, 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 yeah, there is no, there's no fear of the other from Dread anymore. So, and yeah. he is able to, again, that's why I'm like, he embraces his shadow self, Graham. Hey! No, so, no, no. You're like, I, I'm not arguing that. It's just no. that, like, for me, again, it, it's, it's Dread. It's, you know, the kinder, gentler Dread, I say, as he, literally guns down himself. <laughs> uh, also, you know, the kind of gentler dread that, you know, he's still dread. You're going to see this, like, very soon in the next volume. Mm -hmm. Like, he's he's still very much dread. It's not like he's going around hugging people. No. But no. there is something important about, you know, as we said, Giant saying, let's not kill anyone unless we have to. Yeah, okay. Anderson saying. So can I mention something that is drives me insane, uh, That that is sort of potentially important? Yeah. So, A, as you say, Giant's like, let's not kill anyone. Of course, you see Judge and Giant and the cadets, like, pose uh, so that they can sneak onto one of the judges' yeah, yeah. warships. Yeah, and they kill everyone. And then they <laughs> kill everyone, right? Now, this is another thing that I can't figure out if it is Wagner being super awesome or if it's Wagner being... I think it is. But so so you see a scene where Kraken is uh sees the the judges, the dark judges. He has that moment where he pulls the gun on them, but because it's a borrowed lawgiver, it explodes. And of course, I had that moment of like what is he talking about there? And so if you go back that whole scene where after 
Anderson uh, gets rolled over by the tank, Kraken jumps on the lawgiver in the very last panel. And it's like a little detail is literally him picking up another judge's lawgiver. And Mm -hmm. Grant, in his way, makes it a point. Like he nails down the idea that, that Kraken does not use the gun. He uses it to bludgeon the scientists and everything. He does not pull the trigger until that last part. So, Graham, my question to you, why doesn't Luciano's lawgiver blow up in Judge Dredd's hand? I have wondered that for years. Okay. Cause I have one it doesn't make sense. Right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. The only like does do we see him fire? Yeah, Dude, see, that's shoot. it. He does when he's on the ship. And at first I was looking at it being like, okay, he doesn't, he doesn't use it. He doesn't it, use it. Is it a lawgiver that he fires? It is. Uh, let me double check. Then, yeah, but then, it yeah. Is. It makes no sense. It's, well, it's, it literally does not make sense because it shoots. Right. And yeah. so this is one of the things that I think is really insane about Wagner and what he does here. Just... I don't know, but because at a certain point when he uses the gun and it's earlier in the chapter, he like Dredd is using someone else's lawgiver. And at the time I was like, wait, why does it work for him? And I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I've got it wrong. And then, of course, it blows up in Kraken's hand. And I'm like, okay, wait, Wagner is underlining yeah, no, this. Yes, and, and it's, yeah, it makes no sense. It make that. That does not make sense. And I remember – and I I didn't – interestingly enough, put it together with the Kraken scene. But I just remember like the lore being like, that shouldn't work. Right. It it shouldn't work. And I what is crazy is I don't know if Wagner was like, oh, shit. Or if Wagner – yeah. Only give me I can do. Mm-hmm. And this is a real give me. Mm-hmm. In the lore <laughs> – Lawgivers blow up if someone who doesn't have the right palm print uses the gun. Mm-hmm. But everyone wears gloves. <laughs> Dredd is using Luciano's gloves. So is it a glove? Oh, that's a lawgiver. lovely solution. Right. That's interesting. That'd be great. Um, that's a better solution to me, which is that Wagner really goes full secret sharer. And he literally has Kraken suffer the wound that dread literally should you know should have. Yeah. yeah so i mean it's it's a thematic kind of thing that is like wait and so wait why and that seems to like unless you get into the glove thing but it was an amazing moment where i spent pages being like wait a minute okay no 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 i'm overthinking it and then having wagner underscore it i'm like okay you son of a bitch what are you fucking doing here and uh, it's it's one of my it ended up being my favorite part on the reread because of course then I'm like okay where did Kraken's lawgiver come from okay all right that, I understand why it blew up but then why doesn't Luciano's Luciano's totally would and yet it doesn't okay why I wish I was smart enough to think of the boot thing the the glove palm print thing instead well, I'm just like but here's the thing like that kind of works because it also ties off the other thing of you can't have a palm print through a glove right. Yeah, absolutely. Like that doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that actually is a really good point. So 
good job, Graham, if you actually did a twofer. Whereas I'm like, ah, Joseph Conrad's the secret sharer. I remember it well. So, <laughs> well, but you know, that also makes thematic sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. And it should, but I, I do like your explanation better. Okay, Jeff, we have done a synopsis. It took us an hour. We spent just as long talking about the end. Let's actually talk about like the things in the story that we we utterly love. Yes, uh, we we can take Iskara's art as a, as a gimme because Iskara's art is is just amazing. Like mm-hmm. it, it Iskara has always been an exceptional dread artist. I mean, he the guy who co-created dread, right. but you know, uh, Apocalypse War is 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 easily a high point mm-hmm. of the series, uh, and this tops it. And it it does top it because the colors, the the ink washes, the the, the oh, painting, yeah, are and his color choices. Like he's not doing things figuratively. No, you know what I mean. Like you'll have mm-hmm. characters suddenly green or purple or blue. Yeah, um, and it's all mood. It's all emotionally led, and it's just it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it really is. It is so um, daring and confident and assured. Uh, and just just literally gripping to 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 watch it in action. I adore that. I should say also, I will get to the favorite parts. I want to apologize because I feel like there is um, sort of like Conrad's secret chair and some of the other things that I talked about. There is a way in which if I were a little better versed, we could talk about the the white colonial narrative underpinnings, I think, of Necropolis um, in that the Weird Sisters to me are incredibly evocative and kind of potentially racist in a way that I can't put my finger on. Um, originally, when you and I, uh, when, when I was doing research for this, I kept looking at one of the Weird Sisters and being like, oh my God, what is that? She totally reminds me of the Zuni devil doll from the Karen Black's trilogy of terror. Uh, so it, she's got a serpent wrapped around her thing and the, her face looks a little bit like the sort of uh, African masks that you see. And similarly, the uh, nausea, the green witch is a really messy looking number that again, I swear that I've seen in a million different places and and couldn't find any of them. Sort of like when I went online and I was like, okay, I'll screenshot the Zuni devil doll so that I can send it to Graham and he can see exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, they don't really actually look that much alike. I, it's funny you say the devil because I repeatedly thought that they seemed like voodoo Yes. Um, uh, figures. Yes. Right. And again, that's one of the things that I think is interesting is they do and they are like they're coded in ways with the snakes and the skulls and the teeth, but also the very maskiness of their faces, you know. So there's a, there is someone, not us, and that could break down Necropolis and very much talk about it being a story of a, of a specific set of white man's fears. Uh, and of course, ultimately, uh, you know, 
those fears being defeated by showing uh, essentially an incredibly capable young black man who is, you know, essentially um, internalized all the awesome values of the conquering culture. And therefore, there's really nothing to worry about. But I'm not the person to get there, unfortunately. Yes. When when we're talking about problematic racism, let's not forget uh, Julio. Uh, oh yes, the, mm-hmm. the little kid who helps the the cadets, yeah. and who is you know the latest in the uh, proud asterisk not proud at all <laughs> uh, actually shameful yes you know um, line of characters who have uh, shall we say stereotypical accents yes yeah 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 um, yeah and it, it's it's again every time we read these now you're like you you get to a point you're like oh. Yes. Oh. Oh, no. No, yeah. no. Nah. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that that's, that's, wait, how do we start our, our, you know, things we like list by talking about things that are, are troublesome? Well, because I, I wanted to talk about the things that I liked, but realized I had to get that out of the way, which is kind of like, oh, this is super important for the person who's been sitting there for two hours being like, yes, but what about the white colonialist underpinnings? I'm like, they're there i'm sure they're there we're not going to get to them as for everything that i love i would be here uh, we would be here all night like there's so much like i think if i had to pick a favorite prog it really is the super elroy one where um kraken falls asleep uh and and is more or less yell is saying i'm not kraken i'm not kraken i'm not the judda and he you know literally wakes up yelling death to to the mega city and just I, I mean what i think is interesting is it's so hard to pick a favorite quote-unquote prog here unlike previous volumes in a way because it's all so much of a I mean, piece it's, it's all one story yeah, yeah exactly it's all one story and once you get into the countdown necropolis stuff it's all escara i mean I feel sort of bad for the artists before him to, who do Tales for the Dead Man because they do some okay stuff. Like, it's all right. And there's some great moments that I love, but it's nothing like... Even, yeah, that is scary. comes on, you're like, well, yeah. game over. Real game funny. over, guys. Like, even Lethal Injection, by Lethal Injection Part 1 and Part 2 are both fabulous. But especially Part 1... Because it's such a little masterpiece. It's Ascara stepping in and 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 everything is so minimal and quiet. But it's also, again, just with outrageous corners leaking in all over the place. Oh, ah, I love the return of Magruder. I mean, I mean, again, it, it's almost easier that we spent two hours talking about the story and arguing about the things we didn't like. Because everything else is just sort of pure chewing satisfaction. I love the whole Stephen King novelness of the sisters. Because you see, the sisters really do build up to Necropolis. Like, it's really a lot of the build to the fall of Mega City 1. And a lot of that is told in horror novel tropes and horror movie tropes that I just adore. So... Again, mix that with sort of that Elroy dirty cop story that, you know, a dirty cop that you nonetheless really feel surprisingly sympathetic for. And it's just great. It's 
all great. Graham, do you have favorite parts you want to especially shout out? Or um, you know what? I the more and more I reread this, the more I realized that I love everything leading up to the Dark Judges showing up. Yeah, like the first eleven chapters of Necropolis. Yeah, where things are just going wrong slowly, but also they can't be stopped. Yes, and everyone just continually makes the wrong decision. Yep. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love the slow burn of it all. I love that it's a 26-part story. I mean, really, it's longer. If you probably add all the elements up, mm-hmm. you're talking like 50 chapters. But it's Necropolis itself is a 26-part story where, you know, nothing really happens until, like, chapter 14. Mm-hmm. But, like, really, the, the slow burn, the, yeah. the dark judges don't even show up until the end of episode 11, right. is, is great. And the and it is an increasing sense of dread. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is. It, it's just this, like, things just are getting worse and worse and worse. And again, no one is being bad mm-hmm. with the exception of the sisters who aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just fucking with Kraken's head. Mm-hmm. But, but everything just keeps getting worse mm-hmm. and it because people are you know it's it's rare to make an argument that judge dread is a, is a case for empathy right. but necropolis it really is the, the story of what happens when you dehumanize everyone yeah. and no one like it, and how bad that goes yes you know and it's 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 really great and it's really upsetting in the right ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know I, I love that i i um the more I reread it, the more I realized that, you know, it's not a Dark Judge's story. It's not really a Judge Dredd story. Mm-hmm. And the fight back is the least interesting part of it, mm-hmm. which kind of is good because it's also the shortest part of it. Like, before, as a kid, I was like, why isn't there more? Right. Why, you know, why don't we see more Judge Dredd being Judge Dredd? Like, when it cut away to the, the cadets, mm-hmm. I remember being like, no. Right. Right. I want to see Judge Dredd doing stuff. And and now I'm like I'm glad we don't see judge like I'm glad it doesn't continue the heroic narrative in that way. Mm-hmm. Like even ju- what Judge Dread does to to reclaim the city, mm-hmm. it's literally just murder someone. Oh yeah, it's murdering someone Fire from afar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, it's not. It's not a heroic narrative at all. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate how. I mean, really genuinely dark this story is. Again, it's got a lot of, like, corny dad jokes in there. John Wagner cannot help himself. Oh, yeah. But I'm at the age where I love those, of course. So so do I. That's what I'm saying. But, like, it doesn't detract from... Necropolis is just wonderfully dark. Mm Mm-hmm. And has so many layers of dark Mm -hmm. that, that, like, that's... That's what I appreciate now. Like, I appreciate that I've read... I, I appreciate, Jeff, that I've read Necropolis so many times mm-hmm. that I've read that it is an exceptionally dark story. <laughs> that, is, that is darker than I ever thought. <laughs> and it's all about the need for empathy. That's yeah. what I appreciate about Necropolis. One of the things I should mention to a shout-out that I thought was lovely because it's so rare... Uh, well, actually... One thing that I should mention that I grew a huge appreciation for is what I thought of as the Dark Judge's font, which is that that sort of blood dripping thing from the bottom of the letters. And I loved the um, the whole like 
here's nausea with the weather and that <laughs> that weather thing is so yeah. dumb and funny but then it just goes right into a horror show which is just it's just great it's just... I, and it, but it does go right into horror show right yeah it, it's you know here's the weather and then it's like you know so many of you have killed yourself thanks very much for helping yeah you know, which again, it's a, it's a shitty joke, but it's also like dark as shit. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's because it's like fa dead families and people with bullets in their head and, um, you know, enormous sort of mass graves and and literally just people being carted off into like the ovens, literally at one point, yeah, uh, assembled I, to receive justice, like, you know. Let's talk about, you know, the, the happy epilogue. Yeah. Um, it says that 60 million people are dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it really is just shocking. I mean, the, 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 so the last chapter is, you know, everything's fine and everyone's like getting back to normal. And you see a news report and the news report basically is like the other cities are, are sending relief workers. Uh, and then it more or less goes, the psychological effects of such experience can last for years. Many may never recover. Yes. Scientists are rubbing their hands. For them, it's a unique opportunity to study the effects of post-traumatic stress syndrome on an entire population. Yeah. It's still impossible to gauge how many have died, though initial estimates of over 60 million cannot be discounted. And that happens as you see dump trucks just yes. filled up with corpses that are dumped into a hole in the cursed earth. Yep. Yep. You know, that's just shockingly mm -hmm. dark. It really is. And again... Right. So, gotta be the page where you were like, "Oh, wow, this." I was that yeah. that was the page where because yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen the news this week. That's right. You yeah. know, and you see the mass graves of New York, and you're just just like, "Fuck," mm -hmm. you know. I, I, it, but it's you know, even even Wagner's joke of like, you know, scientists are rubbing their hands. Yeah, like it's underscoring people are like people are not going to recover. They they will be traumatized by this for the rest of their lives and by the way 60 million people are dead yeah it's it's again it's shockingly dark mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah it really is um yeah well i gotta admit i think that is that's a i agree with your take graham after some thought i will agree with you and say that yes it is it is a shark shockingly dark story exactly you're like <laughs> i will agree with your take that this is a dark story There's something called Nicholas is dark <laughs> but no it, it's just like i i i okay i i still love this i might actually love the story even more now i get it like, like after having read it over and over and over again to the point where honestly no one should read the story as many times as i like it's it's 270 odd pages and i've read it a lot in yeah. the last week no oh, yeah. one should yeah, yeah but yeah. um but i do i i i genuinely think i love it more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's just it seems to do not only everything that it has to do uh, in the larger narrative sense uh it really seems to be like the ultimate dread mega epic to me Yes, I see it because it because it literally because it does everything. You know what I mean? Like it tackles it. It it talks about. I mean, it literally tackles. You literally have Judge Dredd. You have Mega City One, and them being essentially rejected, destroyed, and reconfigured again. 
you know? Yes. But, like, um, you have an ex- – so you have an existential threat against mm-hmm. the city. You have a literal threat against the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the big epic set pieces. Mm-hmm. But you also have a rejection of the heroic narrative. You have the critique of Mega City 1. Mm-hmm. You have the sort of the underscoring of how paranoid and terrible everything is. Right. Well, I mean, uh, it depends on what your definition of of – the heroic narrative is like this is this could not be more joseph campbell hero of a thousand I, I i i mean in the sense of like you know dread comes in guns blazing right and basically fights the 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 evil into submission right right yeah no 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 he's definitely I mean, and of course i'm sure wagner would be like well yeah i mean you know uh, part of that narrative is they transcend that you know they sort of transcend that conflict you know i i just there's just everything it's it's got anderson it's got supporting characters like the only thing this doesn't have in it is is judge hershey you know and that's that's about it but it's also there's there's no maria it's it's a a, (laughs) There's a mega. It's a mega epic that that winds up without Walter the Wobot having to play an important part in resolving it. So you know, I'm... but also like you know, like uh, the Apocalypse War, mm-hmm. which is again a great story. Yes, um, it's it doesn't have like the. It's funny because you know the Apocalypse War arguably ends on a moment of like extreme cruelty mm-hmm. and dreads inhumanity. Yeah, uh, just played for laughs as well. Why not play for laughs? But like played for excitement. Play yes. for thrills. Absolutely. And in many ways, this feels like not a rejection of it, but at least an evolution of Dread, an evolution of the strip. Yes. Yes. As as you are very kind not to break out and say, like, the the rejection of the end of that storyline is coming, you know, the in a way. So. Uh, well, yeah. But um, it's funny because <laughs> you know, the other... Um, the other there, there's multiple big right. mag epics that i love mm-hmm. but like day of chaos which i don't think we're ever going to reach on drock i think mm-hmm. it's so far like away from the mega the the where the case files is right now mm. that i will ever catch up okay um oh they won't catch up i should say before we reach the end of the, the case files that are, right. that are in print but day of chaos is a much longer than this day of chaos is like almost a year long mm-hmm. uh, and day of chaos is even more of a rejection yes. in that chaos is just about everyone failing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, no, I can get it. And I got to say, I'm definitely, I'm definitely into it. Necropolis is fabulous. I think I still have to give it up for apocalypse war for me, for being kind of a perfect narrative uh, in the sense that I feel like it, really almost sort of only kind of works on one level, but that level that it does, which is sci-fi war story is fabulous. And all of it with the block war and everything building up to it is just a constant level of holy shit surprises. Um, But, oh my God, Necropolis really is. It's, it's amazing. And for people like me who are kind of into the, uh, when formalist storytelling leans into sort of sort of that Campbell Union archetypal stuff, I mean, it's just it's just delicious. 
but I would still say, I, th- I think, I think for me, I'm still kind of like, uh, yeah, probably. A po- we'll see. We'll see what we'll see in a few years, which one I end up coming back and rereading. Cause I do know yeah. what you mean. I could easily see myself sitting down and reading, rereading this volume again, just because there's so many great bits and scenes and, and fabulousness. So. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's very, very, very good. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where we go next with this, Jeff. Interesting. Part of me is like, well, part of me is like, first of all, I think we've peaked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in all seriousness, I like we're heading into a rough period of mm-hmm. dread. Mm-hmm. Like we have some Wagner, the magazine has some good stuff, but in terms of literally the next episode, we have two options, and I want to run them past you. Okay. Okay. Option number one is we do Case Files 15, mm-hmm. and. Judge Dread America. Ooh. Case of Us 15 is the, obviously the stories that follow on from this. And you've read some of them. So you know that the, like in, at least immediately they are Necropolis, like immediately Necropolis Aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also at the same time as those are coming out, the magazine's coming out. Mm-hmm. And Case of Us 15 has the official Judge Dread branded stories from the magazine, all of which are written by Alan Grant. But the first issues of the magazine also had uh, America in there. Built by John Wagner. Mm. And that's amazing. Right. And in many senses is like Wagner's final statement on Dread, at least at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I feel I feel we should include it even as files. I'd love to. I've been looking forward to reading America okay. for a while now. Yeah. So option two, however, mm-hmm. is that we're responsible. And we do restricted files in the volume two, because that's where we are chronologically. Mm. Is that that's like eighty-eight through ninety? Mm. But there's no way of getting around it. Those won't be as enjoyable because remember how much we didn't really enjoy uh, restricted yeah. files volume one. Right. So I, where do we go, Jeff? Which one do you want to do? Well, honestly, I feel I feel it makes sense to read restricted case files volume two. And then come back and do volume uh, case files fifteen in America. Okay, so in that case, whatnots, we're doing restricted case files volume two <laughs> next month, <laughs> which is going to be going from the sublime to the ridiculous. Yeah, literally. Mm. Um, and you know they'll be fun. They're all Wagner Grant stories, I think. Right. Uh, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I you know. At, I, at least we won't have the the sheer weirdness of that first one, where we're like, "What even is this?" <laughs> <laughs> that really was amazing. Like, my God, yeah. I I suspect that it will be a little more unified in that sense. Yeah, I think. Really I mean, it, it it will probably be like you know very solid, like middle period dread work. Right. right. Um. But yeah. So so okay. That's that's what we're doing next. Okay. Time. Good to know. Um, Thank you. But also, I, I like I genuinely do think peaked. Yeah, uh, there, there's a, there's there's good stuff coming. And honestly, the fact that we're we're kind of cheating when we come back with fifteen and also doing America, right? Uh, but after that, we get into Wagner stepping away from the strip in two thousand eight. Garth Ennis coming on right. with work that even he will admit is not very good, right? <laughs> um, and then things go really round robin for a while. 
Yeah. Like Wagner does some, Ennis does some for a while, Mark Miller does some. Right. Right. You know, and it's it's um We're coming up on the wrong. summer of love, right? Isn't that it, it, it gets oh no, that's even that's a while away. Is it? Um jeez, oh, I thought it, it was yeah, like ninety. It, it okay. I mean it is, but like don't forget the case files aren't even doing a, a full year anymore. Oh right. Right, right, because of the color. You're right. I keep thinking yeah. of them as one a year. Well, and also, as of next volume, the page count stays the same around, like, you know, under two, under 300. Yes. But they split between 2018 magazine strips. Right. Okay, so it really starts slowing down in that sense. It really starts slowing down. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, yeah, it's going to start getting odd. <laughs> Drock is going to start getting odd. Honestly, Drock is going to start getting... Like it's we're we're entering our Tom DeFalco Paul Ryan period. Holy smokes! Which I love because you're like, but the good news is there's a lot more of it, so it's going to go a lot more slowly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, but, but, also, but the funny thing is, because we you then come out of the Tom DeFalco Paul Ryan period, which we didn't get to do with Fantastic Four. That's right. You know, because yeah. Wagner basically takes control of the strip again after a while. Which is great. I'm I'm already looking forward to it. I have to tell you. So you know, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, we're heading into we're heading into difficult territory. I'm really curious what you're going to think of Ennis. I am too. I am too because I am I am more much more of an Ennis fan than you are. And yeah, exactly, yeah. And and Ennis is it's funny because Ennis's stuff is very much hero worship is too strong, but you can tell that Ennis is a fan of Wagner Grant's. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. is very much trying to write within that voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is not successful. <laughs> Question well, mark. I think like, like right. the, the best Ennis threads I think are the ones where he. Is more himself. Yes, which certainly, which is what Ennis seems to say. But I had this weird hold out the hope of, oh, maybe Ennis doing cover band red. Like, I can see where he wouldn't like that in terms of his own career, but. Yeah, like it maybe might you'll take it. Yeah, it, like, yeah, exactly. I could see where that might work, where it's like, yeah, if I had to pick someone who could pull that off, I would certainly pull for. pull. Ennis out of the lineup before I pulled uh, Miller or Morrison, certainly. I, I will tell you right now, Miller and Morrison's Judge Red is not good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll just lay that out there right now. I've and heard I the information. Brian Morrison. Yes. But <laughs> just, just wait. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Just I wait for Drock, the drinking years. See. Jeff is very sad here. <laughs> Jeff is so very sad. So, Graham, should we close this joint down? We should close this joint down. This is where I tell you all lovely people who have stayed with us for, let's be honest, a very long episode, that we are going to have show notes for this up on Monday at waitwhatpodcast.com. There is also an Instagram, which I, I swear to God I am going to update at some point. I really am. You might not have noticed the world is weird right now. <laughs> it's com forward slash waitwhatpods. We are on Tumblr, uh, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff Lester is on Twitter. I don't know why I'm saying Twitter tonight. Twitter. Uh, Jeff Lester is on Twitter at lazybastard at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I'm on Twitter at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. -E -M. 
And we're a Patreon-supported podcast, which is the entire reason Truck exists. And that's why Jeff is going to say this. I am. You guys, you're great. I am so grateful for, it. as Grams pointed out, these are some crazy times. And I have been super grateful to have uh, the podcast to focus on and my conversations with Graham to look forward to. And uh, being able to get feedback from uh, us, you wonderful listeners. Uh, I also am super grateful to the fine folks on Patreon who uh, continue to throw us some dosh. You are the best. I actually, there's a, a new person. I got to write a quick note to thanking them. Um, that's so super heartening. As Graham has said, uh, these are troubling times. And if... Uh, your finances are tight and you need to to uh, take some time away from fiscally su supporting us, do not worry. Please do take care of yourself. That's super important to us. But um, we are we are grateful for your support, including the support of Dominic L. Franco, friend of the podcast, and Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, uh, for her continuing support of the podcast and the galaxy might be, you know, F fucking off a little bit when it comes to taking care of us on this planet, you know, but I don't know. The dolphins seem pretty happy with the state of affairs. So what do I know? Graham? Two things. One, I love that you said F fucking off because yeah. F suggested you weren't going to say fucking. Then you said it. Yeah. So now, what does what does F actually say? No, F was going to be. I was going to with effing, and then I'm like, why am I? What am I? Why am I censoring myself? I sound like enough of an idiot as it is. Only swear words make me sound cool. Uh, second thing, you saw that the dolphin in Venice is is fake, right? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. Sorry, everyone who didn't see that, and I've just broken the news to them. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but it helps. There, uh, I don't know. There's armadillos in somewhere, mean, probably. Some I have, I have... The photos about LA looks beautiful. I don't know about you, Graham, but uh, the birds here have been happy as all hell. And I think they're getting a little more because we're not out on the street as much. I mean, admittedly, I'm in a new neighborhood, so I don't know. But it really does. Like, the, the birds here are just going ape. And... And you do hear that, like, things are like, they're, you know, they're saying things like the planet is literally quieter than it was, which is. Oh, and also, like, it, all the, the greenhouse emissions are significantly dropped. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. So that so in that sense, yeah. Are dolphins swimming through Venice? No. Don't. In their hearts, they are. In their hearts, they gleefully are. So, you know. Uh, we've reached that part <laughs> of the evening where I will just continue to, to drive us uh, down the road of digression. So instead, let me say my understanding and Graham jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. Next week is a skip week, but come back in two weeks where we will have a new episode of Wait What for you. And uh, unless Graham, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I only have to add that uh, I know Jeff joins me in this. I hope you're all taking care of yourselves and I hope you're all healthy and we're thinking of all of you. Yeah, we absolutely are. And in, in the, in the spirit of happiness, health and goodwill, I hope you believe me when I say to you, Drock, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the ISO cubes until the next episode.